What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS Podcast. I'm Dan Malin, and I am joined, as always, by Matt Sells, who is our NASCAR FSWA three-time writer of the year. We are also brought to you through the Better Sports app. Matt, we are at Martinsville. This is one of the most exciting short track races uh, every year. We get two of them. Um, I don't know. The aero package in the next-gen car has been a little weak on short track, so it's. I'm curious as to your thoughts, but, you know, we... Uh, we had a very eventful race last week at Homestead. Um, not sure if you have any thoughts on that one, but hey, penultimate race of the season. We got Phoenix, the championship next week. How are you feeling heading into Martinsville? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, Martinsville, you said it, is always one of the best short tracks, regardless of package. It seems to always put on a show. Last week, speaking of shows, I still don't understand why they moved it from Homestead, the championship race it should be at homestead every year it's the best track um puts everything in driver's hands that's all you want in a championship race it lets guys hit sand barriers too apparently good job there (laughs) kyle larson uh which interestingly enough is his 49th career dnf that passes kevin harvick's mark (laughs) except kyle larson did it in 495 fewer races jeez yeah so that's that. <laughs> I was like, well, that's perfect for Larson. He either wins or DNFs. That's about <laughs> that's about it. Um, but yeah, turning our attention to Martinsville, it's pretty funny actually reading the coverage this week and listening to the drivers talk about it and everybody bemoan the package on short tracks in the next-gen car, right? Because I heard Chase Elliott before practice saying qualifying is really important at Martinsville, right? And this might be the most important qualifying session of the year, odd enough for him because he's no longer in the driver playoffs. I mean, he's still in the owner playoffs. But if you actually look at the trends at Martinsville, that's not actually true. Three of the last four race winners at Martinsville, which would be all under the next-gen car, have, have started P13 or worse. Okay. Including the last two, which started P19 and P20. <clears throat> the pole sitter here has not won a race since the spring race of 2013 with Jimmy Johnson sitting on pole. Nobody from the front row has won a race since 2013 at Martinsville. It's interesting that you say that because, like, we do have Martin Truex Jr. on the pole we for do, this race. Which is practically um, he's named for this track, right? It is, it's <laughs> his name's so. Um, he has won here three times uh, in the last 10 races. But, yeah, it's just interesting to look. Now, I'm not saying that winners don't come from the top 10, right? Seven of the last 10 winners here have come from the top 10. So it's a little unusual to have three of them be outside the top 10. But basically all of those winners have started P3 or between P3 and P10. So keep that in mind when we're building – lineups here. The pole sitter at Martinsville is not a lock for really anything. I guess it's worth mentioning that we are recording this uh, about 45 minutes after qualifying ended. It is uh, 3.15 p.m. Eastern time. Um, <clears throat> when we look at the practice notes, yes. how do we gauge, I guess, who is fast, who isn't? Uh, group A, had the by far the better track conditions because there was no rubber on the track. Corey LaJoy was top three in almost every 5, 10, 15, 20 lap metric. Uh, we, we don't see that normally ever. 
I don't think uh, he's a top three car, but I, I think that's a safe assumption. Um, so how, I guess how do we look at the practice notes and just determine who is faster? You know, do we just judge, I guess, the true raw speed based on what we saw in qualifying? Yeah, I think qualifying is probably a better bet um, as to who was fast, because if you look at practice times, Martin Truex Jr. put up the worst 10-lap average of anybody that ran a 10-lap average, and he smoked it for the pole. So, like, is his car really short run, and it stinks on the long run, or was it just rubber, right? Because here's the other thing. We haven't seen this before. There will be tire fall off in Martinsville this year. Goodyear brought a new tire compound this week that over a 20-lap run in practice was taking a half a second off of lap times. So that's a that's a pretty big fall off for a track that's only that's just over a half mile. No, that is a lot, yeah. Um, so it's not, you know, we're not saying it's Darlington level fall off. But it is nice to see fall off here. It will mean that pitch strategy will matter. Guys are going to have to find the green part of the racetrack. Um, so there may be some different grooves that we see raced. It may not just be a race to the inside curb. So that'll be well, nice. I think the other thing, too, is like when we talk about a 20-lap sample size at Martinsville, realistically, like in real time, that's like seven or eight minutes. Yeah, I mean, they're clicking laps off at <laughs> – 25 20 to 25 seconds like once i think it's like 15 to 20 seconds let me see if i can pull up the the practice speeds here Um, i'm just accounting for like when they're actually racing and they're running into like lap traffic things like that but yeah like you know race pace is obviously um a little slower than practice pace because again you only have half the field um on track at any one time in practice uh, so, for example, Denny set the fastest lap in practice at 20.16. So if they can replicate that for 20 laps, you're talking you're clicking off three laps a minute. So 20 laps is, yeah, about six to seven minutes or so in real in real time. So it's not a huge sample, right, because we're also right. talking about a 500-lap race. So, but it does – it. it does indicate there is tire fall off here. We're going to have to – you know, guys are going to have to – maybe go a little bit wider in the corners than we're used to seeing. Not as wide as Ross Chastain did last year, (laughs) uh, which is also not allowed anymore. Um, But, yeah, it was certainly an interesting practice session with as much dire fall off as we got because the rubbered up track was a lot slower than a fresh track. Uh, so with Christopher Bell claiming the win last week at Homestead, strangely enough, on a track that he admittedly uh, thought was one of his worst tracks. Yeah, uh, sorry for that one, guys. It was back hey. to the, the fades of the week. <laughs> you, I always you weren't the only one. Like there were a lot of people saying fade Christopher Bell. But you know, yeah, I mean statistically just... <laughs> speaking, from his own mouth, by the way. Yeah, he <laughs> it said it. Sense. It's not his best. And then he just shows up out of the blue, <laughs> like. Um, but yeah, so the, the, continue, I interrupted your, your, no, you're good. Um, I was basically what I was, I guess, trying to segue into was just the remaining playoff standings. There are two spots left for the championship four. uh, we have William Byron, who is not happy with his car. Uh, you made mention of this before we started recording that he kind of threw his crew under the bus, but he's at least 30 points to the good for, uh, the championship race. 
Ryan Blaney is 10 points uh, above the cut line. Tyler Reddick, obviously, if Blaney is 10 points to the good, Tyler Reddick is 10 points to the bad. Both Truex and Hamlin are 17 points uh, below the cut line. Chris Buescher needs a win. He's 43 points below. So it's either, you know, win or go home for Chris Buescher, more likely going home than not. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like we, anytime we get to a short flat track, we do talk about, you know, we talk about the Toyotas because they can be very good here and dominate. Joe Gibbs racing has historically been very good on short flat tracks. And we also talk about SHR to an extent that their value plays are usually pretty good on short flat tracks as well. We'll get to them later in the show, but you know, we're in a scenario where there are going to be combinations of drivers between Blaney, Reddick, Truex, and Hamlin, where two of these guys are probably not making it. And so who do, I guess, among these drivers that likely need a win, who do we like the most? Well, it's hard not to like Ryan Blaney this week. That's going to make Ed Rouse real happy right now. Um, But in the last 10 Martinsville races, he has six top five finishes. He's got the second best average finish only behind Joey Logano, and Blaney's done it without a win. So this is clearly a track he knows pretty well. He has it sorted out. Team Penske is usually pretty good here. He almost Um, won last week, too. What? He almost won last week, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, Had not a uh, late race stuff not gone his, you know, had gone his way. He'd already be locked in. Um, So it's hard not to like Ryan Blaney of those guys. I gotta give the other one to Truex. Like he's got three wins here. Yes, he's on the pole. I just said it's hard. You know, it's been a long time since a pole sitter has won here. Okay, but he doesn't necessarily need a win. He needs stage <clears throat> points and a really good finish, and he can point his way in. Um, because I'm not sold on William Byron having that great of a day. And if he can beat out and Tyler Reddick has run well, isn't there enough of a cushion for Byron to feel okay, even if he doesn't have the greatest of days? Yeah, I think so. But with you know, you've got Hamlin starting in front of him, you've got Blaney starting in front of him, you've got Truex starting in front of everybody, right? Mm-hmm. The quickness with which stage one gets clicked off here, and guys can hold on for stage points yeah i mean byron's got to move up six spots to get <clears> one <throat> stage point right so if he gets one stage point and truex gets 10 truex has already taken nine points off of him let alone the nine point gap between finishing spots that they finish there so like there's a scenario where byron just hangs out where he is and guys like blaney and truex have better days that they could point their way in Okay. Um, they probably need some help. They probably need a bad day from Byron, but I don't think he's fully in a spot where he can just cruise around and make it. Um, Busher, I don't think there's any faith that he makes it. Yeah, like, okay. would he win? <clears throat> sure, he won at Richmond, right? Um, but that team has been trailing down the last few weeks. And Hamlin. I don't know. If you look at his recent history here, it's not great. He's got like a 12.1 average finish here in the next-gen car. And in the last 10 races here, he's got like an 
the average finish. And for a guy who probably needs a top five finish, plus points, plus some help, that's not all that comforting. Uh, one note on Ryan Blaney is that he was in <clears> – <throat> if you follow Ryan from iFantasy Race, um, yes. he, he put out this great visual of drivers, uh, basically 10, 15, 20, 25, and 30 lap averages. Um, and every guy that's highlighted in blue was in the better track conditions. Uh, there was one driver that is not highlighted in blue that is – looks it's to have – Above the rest. Yes. <laughs> from Group B. Uh, and that was Ryan Blaney, who had sustained arguably top seven speed across all the metrics, and he didn't even have the best uh, track conditions. Probably could have even improved on uh, his place in this table from uh, what Ryan gave us. So I guess if you're going off of pure speed, Blaney seems to have it, and he also has clear win equity, and he's offering some PD as well. Yeah, because he did just miss the top ten in qualifying, so he's starting 11th. Um <clears throat> He's probably going to be really popular. Rightfully in, so. In all sorts of builds. I mean, he has the consistency here. He has everything on the line to try to make a championship. Um, you know, he comes at a discount off of guys like Hamlin and Byron because uh, he's $1,100 cheaper than Hamlin on DK. Mm-hmm. Um, he's almost $1,000 cheaper than Byron. So yeah, it's hard to it's hard to argue that Blaney won't be the most popular guy, but I think there's a lot of different ways you can go outside of the top like the elite guys that we've we've just been talking about. To well, because you can save twelve hundred dollars from Brian Blaney and you can go to Tyler Reddick, who yep. looked good in practice, but he spun the car, saved it, didn't take on any damage in qualifying. But you know, here he is just starting P nineteen. Um, is Tyler Reddick, would you consider him a cash game lock? Or is I that how I would consider him a cash game favorite? I don't know mm-hmm. if it's a lock. Because if you look at his record here, it's still more like if you've watched the races, he looks better here than if you're just looking at stat lines. Okay. Right? Because in the spring, he'll get credited with like a 22nd place finish. He ran better than that. He had an issue late, and it dropped him in the field. He ran better than that. Same thing last fall. He came out of the car early because he wasn't feeling well, right? So that took away a good run from him. So has he run well here? Yes. Has he been able to run well cleanly and finish him off? Not as of yet. Does the car look good this weekend? Yeah. So he's a cash game favorite, but I wouldn't necessarily say – He's a lot because there's still some like, well, why isn't he finishing the strong runs he's had, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think are there any cash game? I mean, is Kyle Bush a cash game lock at 31 at Martinsville? I missed his qualifying run. I don't know what happened. Uh, It looked like the speed in practice was not awful. Um, he was 10th in single lap, uh, top five in 10 consecutive lap runs. Um, even per Ryan at iFantasy Race, for his 15 lap and 20 lap averages, he was top two in both. I don't, I, I completely missed his qualifying laps. I don't really know what happened. I mean, maybe he just like missed the corner or something, but P31, he's $9,000. 
it, it looks like it's one of those position or situations where you just take the PD and you just run with it. Yeah, agreed. I mean, there's a little concern that starting that far back that he could get lapped <clears throat> and cap his PD. Yeah. But I'm less concerned about it with a guy like Kyle Bush than somebody of a you know less skill in worse equipment, right? We've talked about this before at Martinsville, how we have to assume that about half the field is going to finish at least a lap down. Yeah. Right? So if half the field is doing that, it caps your PD because if you're in 15th, but you're a lap down compared to 14th, you got to go pass everybody again plus 14th again to get another spot, right? So there is some concern, but I do think with it being Kyle Bush and the speed that he showed at practice, uh, I think there's it mitigates the concern somewhat, especially at 9,000. You can, you, you know, you can risk it. It's not like it's a prohibitive price tag. Um, before we dip lower, I guess, into the sub 9K range, were there any drivers that we may have overlooked uh, in the more expensive tier? I'm curious what your thoughts are on Kyle Larson. My general belief initially when I looked at the slate was like, well, what does he really have to race for in this race? Uh, but then I reminded myself that last year when he won Homestead, we pretty much approached that Martinsville race with the same idea and that he didn't really have anything to race for. But then I believe he went and qualified on the pole. He finished second. I think he led like 60 laps or something. So, you know, it's like what we said last week with Larson, you know, he, because he won the week prior, uh, but then, you know, we went into last week's race thinking, well, this is still Homestead. It's Kyle Larson. He's going to run hard no matter what. Um, do we still expect Kyle Larson, who has won at Martinsville? Pretty sure he has. Um, do we still expect him to go out and just, like, once again try to contend for a win? And because a win would honestly probably help his teammate, William Byron. Yeah. Uh, Larson won here earlier this year. He won the spring race here. I am not um, an idiot. Earlier this year. Uh, he started 19th in that race, by the way, as one of the examples that you can move up. He did only lead 30 laps, so it's not like he moved up and then dominated. He you know, took his time. I do remember it was one of those situations where we looked back and like a day or two after that race, we, everyone was just saying like, yeah, Larson won, but he didn't have the best car. We don't even know if it was like a top five car. Yeah, it's kind of a <laughs> it was a muddled field because like Priest was on the pole and led 135 laps. Briscoe, Briscoe. started fourth and led 109 yeah. laps. Uh, Hamlin started 11th, finished fourth, and led 36. Logano started 15th, finished second, and led 25. So, like, somehow McDowell started 20th, finished 19th, and led 20 laps in between. Um, so, <laughs> it was a weird, that was a very weird um, race. Kislowski managed to start 21st, finished 24th, and lead seven laps. So, yeah, that was, that was a, a weird one. But I will say this. If you are Kyle Larson and you are given the chance to eliminate Martin Truex Jr. Denny and Denny Hamlin from championship contention, you do it. Right? Not, not to diss, you know, his teammate William Byron and not to diss Christopher Bell who, you know, Bell's already locked in, and not to diss Ryan Blaney or Tyler Reddick. But clearly the two big ones that you would want to eliminate right now would be Denny Hamlin 
and Truex. Yeah. Right? So if he goes out and he wins, then he makes everybody else point their way in, and nobody can do the Chastain Hail Melon anymore to go pick off like seven people on the final lap. So it really took us 20 minutes to bring that up. What? I'm surprised it took us 20 minutes to bring up that Hail Melon. I was trying to give people a break because the uh, USA coverage was talking about NBC it. has shoved it down everybody's throats today. Nonstop. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was cool, but good Lord, man. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> like, nobody talked about the pass in the grass for this long, and that was cool. But, like, that died the next week. Why are we still talking about the <laughs> the Hail Melon? Um so yeah, I I think he he also wants to atone for last week, and just going for it into the sand barrels. Um, you know, I I think he wants to make amends for that. And according to uh, Bob Pockers or Jeff Gluck, maybe it was Jeff Gluck, uh, Larson hasn't spent any time prepping for Phoenix. Well, that's kind of interesting. Not to say his team hasn't. It's not that he doesn't even need it. Because he's one of the best drivers in the series, and so and he's he's won at Phoenix before. He's won a championship before, so he knows what to expect from the track right. and the conditions at this time of year. So, I just think he's the guy that wants to focus on the track that's in front of him. Sure, yeah, smart, and you know he he can be a threat. I'm not going to say he can't go out and win. There are things for him to gain by doing so. Um, again, he can make his competition point their way in, as could Christopher Bell. I just I mean, I know Christopher Bell won this race last year, but I just don't see it from him this year. I think it's also pretty smart of NASCAR to, if they're going to have, you know, Phoenix be the championship race going forward, it is smart to have Martinsville at least be the race before the championship because you do allow these championship teams and like drivers like Bell and Larson that have already qualified, you allow them to at least see what we have with our short track, short right. flat track package. And so it's it's this is a good I guess, audition or essentially practice for next week's race. Right. Also, speaking of practice, by the way, they changed the, the schedule. So we get an hour of practice on Friday for Cup Series. Nice. Uh, and then we get qualifying on Saturday. So we're back to a three-day show. Please, for the love of God, bring that back, NASCAR. <laughs> um, or at least give an hour of practice where everybody's on the dang track at the same time, please. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna run 40 minutes of practice through two groups, just put everybody on the dang track at the same time. Yeah. Please. <laughs> uh, let's uh, dip a little bit lower into the driver pool. Uh, we kind of touched on Chris Buescher starting P18. He's 8,600. Uh, what are your thoughts on Ty Gibbs? He's 8,100. Did look fast in practice. Uh, he's on the front row, but at the same time, you just like ha you have to wonder how does he get around Martin Truex Jr. on the opening laps? Yeah, I don't think they're going to allow him to punt a teammate out of the way. <laughs> Like he did last Fool year. Only once, Ty. <laughs> right? Like I, I don't think that's gonna fly very well. Although, even though his grandfather is the team owner, I don't, I don't think it's gonna fly very well. Um, not to mention they didn't take too kindly to his other teammate punting somebody else out of the way at Martinsville a few years ago when Denny tried to do it. Well, did do it to Chase, and then got booed at his home home track like relentlessly. Um. I think he's worth a shot in GPPs. Like, yeah. he's starting second. He's going to have a shot to lead some laps. If he can hang out in the top five, I think there's value here. 
does he wind up doing it? I, I don't know. I mean, this seems like it's a qualifying spot that's a little above um, his weight based on what he's done previously. But, you know, I, I don't know. Do we want to take a track like the All-Star race, North Wilkesboro, that was impossible to pass and judge anything on that? Probably not, but he did start on the pole, finish second, and let a bunch of laps there. <laughs> but I, I would, I would sprinkle him in. I nothing more than that. I don't really have a great feeling about Ty Gibbs this week, just because I think he may bow out and let some other people decide the the championship. Um, Do you like? Ch- I'm assuming you like Chastain more. Starts 11 spots further back and saves you 100 bucks. Yeah, I I would rather take. Chastain, he feels a little better to me. I would take a shot on Bubba more than I would take a shot on Ty Gibbs. Bubba's pulled off two top ten finishes in a row here. Um, and he's looked really good on short, like he's been improving on short tracks all the time. The interesting one to me is Eric Amarola. What do we make of his retirement announcement? Well, I get, did he actually announce that he's retiring or not returning to SHR? Yeah, that's what's weird is because, like, if you read the tweets, it does look like it's a retirement announcement. But at the same right. time, like, Pacris, when he retweeted retweeted it, he said, well, Eric Almarola announces he's not returning to SHR. And I'm just thinking, like, okay, well, one sounds like a retirement. But then at the other end, like, he doesn't actually – like, it, it was an announcement that he's not returning to SHR. And Smithfield won't be returning uh, as a sponsor either. And so, for me, I'm operating as if it's a retirement Um if he wasn't retiring, I don't know where else he would go. Right. Like, is he going to drop down to Xfinity for some reason and just do part-time? And just do, like, a lighter schedule? Stuff? I I don't know. It's a weird It's a weird deal. Um, I do think that now the weight is off of him, that he may drive a little more, <clears throat> I don't want to say free, because usually in racing that's not a great <laughs> term, like yeah. handling – like if your car is free, it's not usually driving well. Um, drive a little lighter. If he holds a spot, I think there's value here. It is a short, flat track that's usually what's been pretty good for Almarola, and SHR yeah. is usually pretty good here. I am glad you mentioned uh, Almarola because he does segue nicely to the SHR drivers that we alluded to at the beginning of the show. The problem with the SHR drivers is that you have Chase Briscoe, who's 7,300, and Ryan Priest, who's 7,100. Briscoe starts P3, and Priest is P9. You know, yeah, so also we, Harvick we is do, eight at eighty three hundred. So it's like we do like the SHR guys on these short flat tracks, but at the same time, uh, two I guess more of the contrarian ones are starting very high, and it looks like Almarola might just be the one that you probably roll the dice on. I mean, he's got arguably the best PD, right? Because I don't like Briscoe's not going to win. Correct. He led a hundred something laps here in the spring, but then he fell back and didn't like. Could he go up there and lead a bunch of laps and then fall back? Sure, that's a possibility. Um, Priest is a short tracker. Like, this is usually his discipline, but I don't like him. Like, P9 is about where I thought he could finish. So starting P9 eliminates basically any feeling for that guy. (laughs) Harvick, like, (laughs) I don't know. We've said it a bunch. He just goes out and finishes top tens. Yep. That's good, but when you start in the top ten, that doesn't help, right? Um, yeah, I, 
I don't know. We 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 may be boxed into a corner here if we want to play SHR in terms um, of like basically two dudes. You play Briscoe for laps led upside, and you play Almarola in the hopes that he can finish like P eight and get you like four spots of PD. Uh, with just a couple minutes left, are there any value plays that kind of jump off the page at you? Um, for me, it's Justin Haley. Uh, he starts P24, and so I feel like he starts high enough where there's a good chance he stays on the lead lap, but also, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he had a top 15 day. Yeah, I could say. I mean, I... Granted, we I haven't really seen Harrison, many top... I may prefer Harrison Burton a little more. I did see that like his qualifying effort early was was decent. I didn't really get eyes on his practice speed, and then you know here we are. It's also just Harrison Burton, and I have I'm of ye little faith. I mean, true, but Harrison Burton has run better on short tracks than he gets credit for. He's also in a Wood Brothers machine, which this is <clears throat> their home track. Their yeah. shop is like literally fifteen minutes down the road. Um, they have they're aligned with Penske. And we seem to like the Penske drivers aside from Sindrick for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I may take a shot on him. Daniel Suarez is intriguing to me, to be honest. Underpriced and just plenty of PD. Well, so like if you look at his stats, not great. Right, he's not finishing where he probably should. But in the last two races at Martinsville, his average running position was sixth and ninth. So there's upside if he's starting to figure it out and he can move up, let's say ten spots, twelve yeah. spots. You're looking at a top fifteen dude. Not not sexy. There's a there's some risk there for sure. Um, but I mean, it, you know. Possibility. I I would roll with Justin Haley, though. I think I like him more than Omendinger. I think I'm with you there. Uh, But unfortunately, that is uh, it for us. Uh, But be on the lookout for Matt's phenomenal playbook for Sunday's race. It's going to be an exciting one. So, Matt, best of luck to you this weekend at Martinsville, and best of luck to the FA Nation.